Okay. Hi, welcome to it. Thoughts longer than three minutes. Thank you so much for being here. Um, if you like and subscribe to this podcast, you'll get a three-minute thought that comes out twice a week as well. Um, right now, I've got a couple of interviews lined up, and so these will be coming out every Monday. Uh, hopefully, that's a sustainable pace. If not, we'll definitely be doing as, as best as possible to be able to give you um, content, conversations, and thoughts that will be able to help us all thrive in life as well as in our faith. Uh, that's the goal of this podcast as well as the three-minute thought. So I'm not going to do too much introduction into the conversation that I had here with uh, Jacques Hannes, uh, but he is a great friend of mine, uh, a guy I've known for many years, and he's uh, been just a key, pivotal in me getting into full-time ministry. He's been uh, pivotal in mentoring and training me up in my own character and helping me to become a better follower of Jesus and uh, a better human being. And he uh, has been so pivotal that he even stood uh, alongside me at my wedding. He was one of my groomsmen. Um, and so, so grateful that he, he said yes to doing the podcast. He is our first ever guest. So please, um, yeah, just enjoy the podcast. Enjoy what he has to share. Take notes. Um, I, I try to take notes myself. There's a lot of key takeaways that I got, and I'll share those at the end of the podcast. Um, but yeah, with no further ado, uh, here is my conversation with Jacques. All right, how's it, Jacques? Uh, dude, so good to have you on the on the podcast today. Uh, looking forward to being able to get some great insights from you. Uh, before we jump in, for those of you, for those that don't know you, uh, maybe you can just give us kind of a brief bio of, of what you do and where you're at and, uh, you know, who you are in life. And we'll jump into some of the questions that we previously discussed. Cool. Uh, well, thanks for having me. I'm definitely very excited about the conversation and hopefully this will be uh, helpful to those, uh, those that are listening. Yeah, my name is Jacques. I um, currently, we live in Johannesburg, uh, South Africa. Um, married this year for seven years. Uh, got two kids. Uh, seven years. Absolutely seven yeah. years. Uh, you got to get that right. <laughs> amen. Uh, yeah, two wonderful children, um, and little Anzal that just uh, turned four, and I've got a uh, little boy Lincoln that's literally turning uh, three uh, next week. Uh, so, um, yeah, and we work in the ministry year uh, predominantly with uh, campus ministry, campus students on universities uh, across Joburg, and then um, yeah, also oversee kind of a little bit of the work uh, throughout Southern Africa for that, and then also work with uh, the singles ministry uh, and some young married. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of what we, that's what we're doing at the moment. And that's where we at. Come on, man. Uh, lots of, lots of balls to juggle. So the stats on the seven years, we will forgive you for, we'll, we'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please don't tell my wife. Please don't <laughs> we, tell won't, my wife. we won't. <laughs> well, dude, let's, uh, let's kind of start a little bit at the beginning uh, before we kind of dive into what life looks like right now. Uh, and, and if you could just give us a, a picture of kind of growing up, what, what you were like in terms of Christianity, you know, was, was it your religion of choice at the time? Um, I know, you know, I know we'll talk a bit about your conversion story, uh, but maybe start us out there, man. How, what did it look like for you as a, as a kid, as a young, as a young person going to church and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I, probably the best description would be is that I, I sort of grew up religiously, um, you know, Christian religiously and, um, you know, being an Afrikaans guy, that was just kind of par for the course. You know, we, uh, we went to church, pretty much every Sunday. 
and uh, it was just it was just sort of how we did life and uh, you know pop in uh, michael w smith cd as we are on our uh, on our way in the car to church and um, yeah once you get there kind of you have your your seat that you normally sit on and and uh, you kind of sit and listen or you go to sunday school and and then you go home again you know so it really was a it was more kind of part of the routine. It was it was a Sunday thing uh, sure. that I didn't really sense translated into sort of wider life. Um, mm-hmm. um, but I think also uh, I definitely grew up with a deep uh, respect for the Bible. I think both my parents and grandparents held that. You know that man, if your if your house burns down, you you grab your wife, uh, you grab your drinol uh, dri rifle and your Bible. You know those are the three things. So it it always held a very important place. And yet, even though I grew up with a respect for the Bible and I tried to read it, I, I couldn't really make sense of it. Um, you know, and, and even I would have family members that would buy me kind of those little day planners where, you know, there's a little verse, a little description and a little prayer. So mm. that, that was Christianity for me at the time. It was a five minute uh, deal per day and a Sunday event uh, that we, that we went to. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think that was kind of how I grew up, but um, but didn't didn't feel like I knew God or had a personal relationship with God, or um, yeah, and it, it certainly didn't translate into my lifestyle in any significant way. You know what the Bible said, and it being the standard. You know, so that's uh, that's super interesting because I think it's like it's one of those things where oftentimes we can think that people in that position feel like that's enough. Like the, the Sunday night, the Sunday after Sunday, after Sunday, after Sunday, and the little Bible verse uh, is enough. So yeah. the fact that you could sense like, man, I, I don't really know God is, is pretty interesting. So, mm. so talk me through, talk me through the events just before you get met on UCT. Cause I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, you've told me you said a prayer or something about wanting to meet people, wanting to do something right by God. So, so talk me through that before we kind of get to UCT and, and the moment where you got met. Yeah. Look, you, you, you make me sound um, a, a lot more, a lot more glorious than, than what it was, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think what also played a role in my life is uh, throughout high school, if I just being honest, I, I felt like the kids that went to kind of the Christian union type of stuffs were, were the kids that didn't really have lives and didn't have friends. I don't sure. know. It just looked, unappealing boring all of those things so that's what i had in my mind and yet at the same time i had the sense that something's amiss mm-hmm. um you know and things were going well academically playing first team rugby had a you know had a girlfriend at the time this and this and that i mean everything seemed on the outside going well but as i went to bed at night yeah there was just something kind of missing so when i went to university or even prior to going to university i had this bargaining with God that when I get to university, I'll really take, take him seriously and my relationship with him. But then you know how that works. Um, you arrive there and, uh, and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, you know, uh, and it was just more of the same going out, getting drunk, picking up girls, all of that. And then I had a scenario where the girl at the time had a pregnancy scare. Hmm. So, in actual fact, my little prayer uh, was a bargaining with God that if he would to bail me out of this, because I mean, I'm an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, um, you, know, you know, guy that is about to undergo something that's radically going to alter my plans, my ambition for my life. So, sure. I, I bargained. I was like, God, please, man, help, help, help a brother out here. And um, 
And then he did, uh, but then I just went back to my old ways. You know, it's, okay. it's kind of amazing. It's like you have these moments of seriousness and then it sort of evaporates again. Um, mm. But it was in that time frame, literally about two or three weeks after that, that I, I say bump, but uh, obviously God works these things out, bumped uh, into a disciple, um, you know, on campus that invited me out to a Bible discussion. So I guess... I guess God is always faithful, uh, sure. even if we are not. Uh, yeah. But that's that's how it initially started, and and kind of, yeah, I went out to this Bible discussion that they had over lunch at UCT. So it was halfway through my second year, and sure. and um, everything's been been different since, you know. That is that is radical. Just uh, tell everybody what you were doing when uh, the person <laughs> invited you to the Bible discussion. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, look, man, I, you know, imagine, imagine kind of a Cape Townian surfer guy with board shorts and wearing his slops, uh, but yeah, walking around on campus kind of uh, with a cigarette, you know, smoking a cigarette and clearly maybe that was the sign for this disciple. This dude really needs Jesus, man, on top of everything else. <laughs> sure. And he was right. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's so cool. Like, I think the fact that God, God held true and he made sure that somehow someone would reach you. Uh, even with a cigarette in your hand. Because I know, you know, being on campus, those are the guys that usually intimidate us. Like, man, they, it feels like they're too far gone, you know, to try and help or, or to try to reach out to. Uh, yet here we sit with, you know, someone now who's in the full-time ministry as a result of that. Um, yeah. So, so talk, talk me through kind of your conversion process. What, what were kind of some big hits as you, as you kind of got to know the Bible better, as you sat down with men? What were some of the big hits that really altered, you know, your, your trajectory of life? Yeah. Look, I think there were a couple of defining moments. I think um, uh, one is I started going out to this Bible discussion. And for the first time, you know, I obviously as a white Afrikaans guy, I grew up um, uh, very sheltered. I mean, I went to mostly white schools, um, white thinking, um, you know, white church. Um, so once I went to UCT, all of a sudden the world opened up and I was like, oh my goodness, the world's slightly different than than what I thought. Uh, but then I went out to this Bible discussion and I saw something even more radical. I saw diversity. I mean, um, there were people from all races, all cultures, um, you know, all economic statuses. But the one thing that really caught my attention, or I guess two things, one is they all seem to love the Bible and know their Bible. It was like the guy would say, okay, great, let's go to the book of Hebrews. And I'd be like, oh my goodness, uh, I'm about to get caught out here. So I go to the index, but everybody else turns to the book. Sure. And I'm like, what is going on here? Who are these people? Um, so I think their love for the scriptures and their understanding of the scriptures um, was amazing. And then the other thing is, I think they, they love for one another. That was, you know, as I got to know them more, they were just so warm and friendly and joyful and um i don't know i just haven't seen anything like that you know so they weren't like from the outside like you know the most impressive but the more i got to know them the more i realized like there's something authentic and real and sincere so that was the big that was the first big one and then i got into studying the bible with some guys and um and there uh, were couple of ones one is i think uh, realizing for the very first time that up until that point i've never genuinely lived as a christian now you know if you were to stop me prior and ask are you a christian i would say absolutely uh, but realizing that you know i didn't live by jesus definition of what that meant um, i didn't even know what 
what he said about it. You know, I thought it was just kind of, you believe in him and you go to church a little bit. But so that, that stopped me in my tracks. That stunned me. I was like, what do you mean? I, I felt offended. And I think, and it was the first time that I felt offended by somebody that weren't willing to back down. They were like, oh, what are you going to do? Are you going to carry on your merry way or are you going to change it? You know? So I think that was the first one. And then uh, we started looking at some sin. And uh, the list was long in my life. Uh, yeah. I, I remember when the guy was, uh, Werner at the time, was explaining to me how we should treat women. Uh, in a pure way and, and i looked him straight in the eye i said bro that is the saddest thing i've ever heard in my life like <laughs> what do you mean like no one lives this way yeah. and and it was like god was peeling back the layers where i just thought i thought like are you are you for real like i'm actually supposed to live this way i thought yeah. the bible was like a good suggestion but throughout the bible studies it kept coming up again and again like these guys were calling me to actually put it into practice sure um so I, I was, I don't know, on the one side I was challenged and convicted and the other side, I felt confronted the whole time. I felt mm. like this is uncomfortable. I don't want to do this. I don't actually want to change my life. And then the, the real swinger uh, for me is when, um, yeah, when we looked at the cross and, and I think, you know, sort of we went through scriptures on the cross, what Jesus went through and, and, and really the realization that he did this for me. And for us, and, and this is the pinnacle of God's love for us. And I was like, all my excuses disappeared. You know, all, all the confrontation made sense because here was a loving God that wants what's best for me, knows what's best for me, calling me to say, man, change your ways and live the best life possible. And I think when those pennies dropped, the way that I looked at the Bible, and the way that I looked at the Bible confronting my life changed. And all of a sudden, I wasn't apprehensive. I became motivated. And I'm like, this is incredible. And, um, and from that day, I think there was a switch that went on where I decided, I know I can't pay back Jesus for what he did. Or I can't like out love God uh, for the amount of love that he's shown me. But I sure want my life to reflect as somebody that is just indebted and grateful for for what he's done so i think that was that was the real thing and from that that time on it it was a very short time after that that i actually got baptized and um yeah i became a full-fledged christian man sure what date was your baptism 27 uh september no 29 september 2001 2001 goodness gracious so you've uh, been doing this a couple of years here um couple of years couple of years but but take me back because you know you kind of mentioned two big things uh you know one obviously and we'll, we'll talk about that uh, this the strength and kind of the word of god because i think that plays a little bit on your your background you mentioned that you yeah. know you you grew up in a house where you revered the word of god and so someone bringing the word of god and confronting you with that i can understand how that that for you would have been really really on point but talk to yeah. me about this this you know, going from the sheltered, grew up Afrikaans, most, mostly white schools, didn't meet these types of people. And now you're thrust into a multicultural, you know, pool of people uh, on campus. And I'm sure at the church, the physical church itself. What did that feel like? What, like, what did you process through that time? And as, you know, walk us through a little bit as you kind of went deeper and deeper into, into getting to know Jesus as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, uh, I remember going out to my first Sunday service. So obviously on campus, I thought, hey, cool, you know. Uh, but going out of my first 
a Sunday service and singing in different languages. Uh, mm. um, wow, that was unique. Uh, I've never done that. Um, and, and then all of a sudden, people afterwards coming up to me, a, a big black older brother giving me a hug saying, Dude, it's so great to have you at church. And I'm like, what is going on here? You know? Um, so I don't know. It, it was, it's kind of funny, you know, it had both elements on the one side. It was refreshing mm. and attractive. And the other side, it was incredibly uncomfortable. Okay. Um, so on the one side, it's like, I think this is what God intends mm. and this is his plan. And, and this is maybe what it means. And the other side, I was like, yo, but I'm so not used to all of this, you know? Um, so that, that kind of, I think that, that experience kept happening, um, you know? And, and the other thing that, that really got to me is there was this brother in, um, in, a, in the campus ministry at that time. He was from Angola, mm-hmm. um, you know? Uh, and what was kind of funny is his dad was a politician and my dad was obviously in the SANDF in the, in the military in South Africa. So, Ultimately, his dad and my dad were fighting against one another in the border war. Um, and it was this moment that hit me that as I became part of the campus ministry year as a guy, where one generation ago, our parents were at lockerheads, not lockerheads, like in conflict with one another, shooting at one another. And here I am hugging him, calling him my brother. And I just thought this must be the kingdom of God. Like there is no other conclusion that I can draw. Like yeah. man cannot manufacture this. Um, sure. So I think, but, but, uh, but overcoming the uncomfortability yeah. and, uh, and, and, and allowing my mind to be transformed, uh, that we're not just kind of a social group of people that meet, but this is family and that's what God, you know, always intended. And I think once I got that, everything changed. And sure. so, yeah, and I, and I think, um, yeah, and getting to know, um, I guess, uh, sort of Jesus, uh, more and more, I think. I started reading my Bible, you know, yeah. during the Bible studies that the guys had with me. But even afterwards, I just started rigorously reading my Bible. I, I um, every night again, I would go back to my old quiet time notes. And it was literally like I was rewriting the Bible. I would sit down and study the book of Matthew. And, and I would just take notes upon notes. Everything that hit me about who Jesus was and what did he say and, yeah. and the impact that he made. And so I just... Um, I just captured the sense of awe and reverence for who he was. But then the other powerful thing was, uh, which obviously the guys helped me to understand is that it's not just kind of one head knowledge thing, but as you started applying these things, then you realize the power of it. Yeah. Uh, so as you start to actually imitate Jesus and become more and more like him, it makes sense. Um, yeah. So the more I did that, I think, um, yeah, it, you know, it just, my eyes opened and, yeah, that was a transformation change. Yeah. Yep. So, all right. So, just on the on the cultural, you know, multicultural church thing. I mean, this yeah. currently the climate in the world, uh, unfortunately, is is one where you know racism and prejudice and injustice. I mean, obviously, uh, this round of conversation sparked mainly by the the recording of the death of George Floyd on on video. I think there's been a lot of stuff around yeah. that. Um, and of yep. course, then the U.S. went into all sorts of turmoil. Um, and for most people, just it was the U.S. story and then realizing, man, it's, it's here at home as well. 
Um, mm. And just purely from a church, I mean, you're, you're still an Afrikaans white guy, you know, you, you, you're still involved in a multicultural <laughs> church. But what, yeah. do you, what do you kind of, you know, when you see that stuff, what are you kind of processing? What are you thinking? And how do you feel like as the church and as Christians, we should be processing what's going on around us? Yeah, I think... Um, I think one one is uh, you know um, realizing that you know racism and prejudice and injustice. Uh, I think all of us, you know, especially for me, it's come back in the spotlight and realize like this is a reality, like um, like it's happening. Uh, I think to my shame, what has happened is obviously as an as a one a male. Secondly, a white male in South Africa, I mean, you talk about privilege, you know, I am the poster child for that, you know, and I think to my shame, even though I have tried to fight racism in my own heart and overcome prejudice in my own heart and have, have made changes on that, it's almost like I have forgotten that this is ongoing. And as I've been having conversations with black brothers and sisters and women um, you know, cause there's, there's radical inequality there as well. And, and just what life is like for a woman in South Africa, you know? Um, yeah, I just, it's almost like it's, it's uh, best thing. It's almost like my, you know, my, my ears were clogged and now they're open and it was like my eyes were shut and now they, now they're open to realize this is an ongoing reality. And a lot of black brothers and sisters feel like, you know, we are almost like tired cause this is on, this is all the time. Uh, so I think I've been caught off guard to re-realize re, uh, re again that this is uh, this is a reality for many people that I love very much and is very close to me, but yet we've we've not spoken about it, which which again and I think that's probably where the the entry point is for us as a church is it's very hard it, you know we can theologically teach that we family um, we can believe that we family, but it's very hard to feel like family if there's certain things that aren't discussed and there's certain things that that's off topic or there's or there's certain things that that we don't understand uh, so i think where i've landed is just to uh, just to keep the conversations going and and to keep learning um you know so that i could develop the the compassion and the empathy uh, that i need to really be a older brother because that's really how i see myself to be an older brother in this family that we have that god's created I think with all of that said, I think um, what I would hope for us, at least uh, kind of as a campus ministry and as, as single professionals in the church or our segment is that we would always fight to be one, that, that unity would be the main aim, you know, that regardless of what, what is happening in the world around us, uh, that through Jesus and through being in step with the Holy Spirit, uh, that the type of conversations we have and how we go about it uh, would foster deeper unity and greater oneness and that that's what we would fight for uh, that's the thing that would we would want to preserve uh, and deepen you know so yeah so i think yeah so th- i'm still processing and a lot of things going through but i think this is good this is really good um yeah amen 
Well, dude, I've, I've appreciated just working alongside you and, and being able to kind of see you navigate this space has been, has been really inspiring. And I, I love that idea that the, the goal for the Christian, the person of faith is definitely to live uh, in, this, in a state of unity, you know, and fight, mm. fight for that. Because that, uh, that is always going to be pushed back on. Um, but for some reason, Jesus felt like if we get that right, you know, everything else will come together as well. So I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, but let's let's talk a little bit about this idea of of you you and the word. You know, I, I think uh, for many for many Christians, this is an area where we always feel like we can grow. We can always do better in our Bible study. Uh, and I know you to be one where you know that reverence for the word that was instilled with you in you from your parents and your grandparents. That reverence of the word that that kind of hit you and struck you when you were, you know, uh, getting to know Jesus and, and becoming a, a, a fully fledged Christian, as you called it, uh, right through till now, has kind of stuck with you. And so yeah. just, just for people listening, whether, you know, if you're thinking uh, young people, because we've got all, all range of ages listening, uh, all range of yes. people listening, um, all range of places in their faith listening. You know, what are some, maybe one or two key things that you think, man, when it comes to Bible study, if you can do these two things or this thing, it's always going to be, be worthwhile. Yeah. Well, um, I'd probably say prior to, to getting to uh, kind of a practical thing to do, you have to have the right perspective and approach uh, when you come to the Bible. And this might be super basic and simple, but, but I think to have a deep conviction that uh, this is the, you know, the word of God, the creative heaven and earth, meaning one is God loves us more than, than, anybody we know like his desire is to set us up uh, to thrive in life to have the best life possible i mean you know jesus says i didn't come to condemn i came to save save from what well one save you from yourself your sin but also the corrupt generation and world around you and to give you life to the full that was his intention it wasn't to judge you so one he loves you more than anybody else secondly he knows everything like he knows what's best he is the maker of you, uh, the creator, meaning, uh, you know, he literally shaped you and formed you. So if you're talking about somebody that knows what's best for you, God has that down. So when you come to the word and you have the perspective that here are words from somebody that loves me with all of his heart, passionately, uh, first John speaks about that. He loves us lavishly mm. that, and that he knows what's best. I think then all of a sudden our hearts could be at a place where we actually receptive to what I'm reading. Sure. Okay. So if you don't have that, then it becomes words on a page that confront you um, and cause you to change. And you might even decide, okay, it's the right thing to do. I'll do it. But, but I think that approach is that perspective is very important. And I think if I, if I can cultivate that in myself the whole time, it changes uh, the way that I look at the word and, and the way the word changes me. So that, that I would say is one. Um, yeah. And then, Yo, uh, there's so many things like I, I would want to say, but um, uh, but I think to to be able to get to know the big story of the Bible, um, you just have to read a lot. I I, I remember I decided uh, going back to that I was a smoker that that my Bible would become like my pack of cigarettes. Uh, that uh, that I would you know because I I don't know how many cigarettes I smoked but it was it was consistently through my day. Uh, but I wanted the Bible to become that for me. And so, so sure, I'm going to have a set quiet time throughout the day. But even at night as I go to bed, you know, that I can cover 
big, uh, big amount of passages and chapters on it. So it's just, it's just immersing yourself in reading, reading, reading the actual word. Um, so I would say that that's vitally important. And then what happens is as you get to know the word better, all of a sudden um, you're able to understand uh, things. You know, when you jump into the New Testament, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Like, like this sounds like what God did here in the Old Testament. Or when Jesus says this and you go to the letters of the apostles, you're like, wait a minute. That reminds me of like what Jesus did here. It's like, it's like you know, this amazing world opens up. Um, and then I think a very, very key thing, uh, you know, and this is where the challenge of, often lies, is you have to take the next step, which is, okay, I, I just, you know, I, I spend time understanding the passage and knowing the passage, but then, okay, w- what is this calling me to do? Or who is this calling me to be? Mm. And that implementing it in your life, um, you know, uh, brings about the metanoia, the transformation uh, which again, then, then leads back to, Oh my goodness, God knows what he's talking about. Like <laughs> sure. he said, he said, be, you know, um, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. This stuff works. Yeah. Like my relationships are better. So mm-hmm. it, it's like this cycle, but if you don't implement it and you don't realize the power and how it's transforming your life, then it just becomes an academic dead book uh, filled with cool stories, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So I would say those would be some thoughts on that. That's awesome. I loved how you, you got super passionate. I heard your, your preacher voice come out when you're talking about getting the right perspective. And I think you're right. I think it's, you know, how we approach the word uh, has a big, big impact on, on kind of what we gain out of it. So that idea that God loves you and he knows best. I hope people are listening, taking notes of that and, and will be able to implement that in their lives. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot us a little bit here um, into, into a struggle I know you've had and I know that people struggle with in the world. And I think it's something yeah. that, you know, uh, as Christians, we need to talk about a little bit more. Um, I think, unfortunately, uh, it can be kind of, uh, uh, don't speak about this. It's, you know, it's embarrassing, this kind of thing. So I appreciate you even just being willing to speak about it. Uh, but I think, you know, it's, it's obviously in contrast to the word. So it's, this, it's yeah. this idea that, you know, you became a Christian, you want to live for God. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, we don't become perfect after getting baptized. We, we continue nope. to, to struggle <laughs> in our flesh. It would be nice. Um, yeah. But one of, the, one of the things I know you've spoken about before is your struggle with pornography. Yeah. So I just wanted, you know, if you can give us a short kind of picture of what, what that story looked like. And then most, more importantly, kind of what are some overcoming things? What are, what are some ways that you were able to overcome that and be victorious? Because as I understand it now, you, are, you have been victorious for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know it has. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll give you kind of the short version. So um, I think when I hit teenage years at age 12, um, my eyes were opened up to women. Um, and, and, um, I can't really remember my dad and mom, you know, this wasn't a topic, you know, sexuality wasn't a topic of conversation much. Uh, so I, I kind of, um, dove into that and, and explored a number of things. So I, I would uh, remember like newspapers or, um, visuals or, um, all of those things. And then at age 15, um, I slept with, um, you know, kind of my first woman, um, you know, was kind of immoral. And from age 15 to 20 until becoming a disciple, it was just like, a, yeah, I was just, it was literally giving myself over uh, to lust, um, you know, with myself and with others. And it was, um, it was that kind of life. And then I was becoming a disciple and confronting my life and, and through God's power, 
and his grace, um, radical transformation happened. And I think for the first probably six or seven years as a disciple, I didn't battle with pornography, masturbation, um, or any of those things, or even the way that I looked at women, I think, sure, there would be a temptation to look at women lustfully, but, you know, through the help of men and the scriptures and whatever, I was able to kind of fight those things, so radical change. And then I remember this moment sitting at work at that time I started working and, um, and I clicked on a link uh, that had a woman's name on it. And I shouldn't have clicked on the link, but I did. I was curious. And then all of a sudden, photos opened up uh, about her. And it was quite provocative photos. And I quickly closed it. But it felt like, it felt like there was like this, this, this lion that woke up inside of me. It was like I opened this door again. Sure. Um, and then for the next four years as a disciple and even in the full-time ministry, I battled with this. Um, where, yeah, pornography, uh, masturbation, um, and I think to describe the cycle, and I think anybody that battles with this would be able to relate with this. It, it's kind of this on the one side, it's like you totally desire this, like you want to do it. On the other side, it's like you despise it, like you don't want to do this, like you know that God doesn't want you to do this, and this is not honorable to Him, and you know, it doesn't honor women, and like you know, all of those different things. So it's like this, this incredible wrestle. Um, sure. But I think I had times where I, um, yeah, even though I was open with brothers and they would kind of help me, I would just sort of cycle. And, and sometimes I'd last, you know, a couple of weeks before giving in. Other times it would be a couple of months or whatever. And I had the sense that every time I would make like this vow, like this is never going to happen again. Like I'm going to, you know, I'm just, I'm going to do whatever I can. And I'm like studying scriptures. And mm-hmm. so I think, one of the one of the major things that I had to realize um, is I needed to get to a place of of sheer desperation, mm. um, and and that desperation was elusive. I had to get to a place where I was like, I am willing to do whatever it is, but actually mean it. Um, sure. You know. So and then I reached out to a brother, um, Tom Newley, that uh, now leads kind of uh, one of the churches in the U.S. and he he's just incredible, incredible as a counselor, um, you know, and um, and he helped me through it. And I think what I discovered, and this is where the victory lies, yeah. is I always saw this battle as kind of one one faceted, meaning I should read and pray more, um, mm-hmm. or or I should be more committed. You know, I, I just I should mean it more uh, sure. that I want to break free. Um, but I think I was sincere in that, but it just didn't hold any power. Mm-hmm. And I think what he helped me to realize is that this is actually a multifaceted issue. On the one side, there's obviously the physical issue, um, you know, of just kind of visually being attracted, you know, to, to certain images, whatever. So that spiritually, I think uh, what I had to realize is that my impurity was part of God's loudspeaker to get my attention Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to say, Jacques, there's something broken here. Like you're reading and you're praying, but there's a level of uh, like intimacy and connection that you and I do not have. And that's why this is kind of going on. So I had to wrestle with that. But then a massive part of this was um, just the emotional component. Like I was so unaware of what I felt or what certain events brought up in me mm-hmm. um, that. Um, that he helped me to kind of unpack that a little bit, you know, because typically, uh, you know, we feel a sense of negative emotions. And then what I realized with my impurity was a way to medicate those negative emotions. So whether I felt bored or whether I felt stressed or whether I felt, 
unfairly judged or whatever it might be. Typically, shortly after that, I would sort of, you know, go to pornography or masturbation to somehow ease that. So, so he helped me a ton to realize, um, you know, some of those things that was going on in like the deep recesses of my heart uh, so that I can come up with a plan to genuinely be uh, victorious. So, um, so yeah, I started, started building a lifestyle of victory, uh, started being open with things. We actually even started a purity group. I was in Cape Town at that time, uh, which was super helpful to, to have a guys around me that, that is wrestling, you know, with the same thing and learning. And, um, yeah. And I think, um, yeah, that, that helped, that helped a ton. Um, you know, so, um, yeah, victorious over it at the moment. Last time I looked at pornography, uh, or masturbated, you know, whatsoever was in 2013, you know, so we're talking about seven years ago and this was prior to becoming a disciple, it was part of my life. And even in that stint of kind of four years, um, yeah, really, it, was, it sort of came back into my life. But victory is absolutely possible. But you need to you need to get help. Like yeah. you're probably gonna need to reach out and, and get some guys in your life to help you with that. So, sure. yeah. yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I think uh, for many people with this struggle, I think it's it's important to hear that victory is possible. And hopefully they don't just hear it as victory is possible for the minister, um, but that they hear it, that victory is possible awesome. for them. And it's, you know, there's some, there's some key practicals that you shared in there. Uh, dude, we're, we're going to start winding down. So I just want to turn kind of our attention a little bit to the, the day and age that we currently live in. I mean, this is a very unique moment uh, in our lives. I think, you know, uh, lockdown, I think day 100 and something, you know, COVID-19 in, in our country, in South Africa, continues to ramp up. Uh, in many other countries as well. I was just reading this morning, actually, Donald Trump has, has stopped them reporting to uh, the health organization or something. That, so doctors in the U.S. have to report directly to the Trump administration the new COVID-19 okay. patients, which is, oh. you know, that's scary because, you know, that they can do whatever they want with those, with those numbers. So, you know, the U.S. continues to go through that. I mean, Europe is reopening and parts of it are, are closing down again. It, it's crazy. It, it really is a crazy yeah. time. And we've already touched on the injustice that fight of, of, of racial, racial racism and, and racial injustice and all of that. So there's just so much going on. Uh, and you lead yeah. young people. You lead people, some of them actually not even that young, you know, they, they probably don't want me to say <laughs> that. But, you know, all of them, like, you know, you lead from, from, you're talking, you know, late teenage years, you know, into maybe even uh, early 40s. Yeah. Um, and so the, the question, you know, and, and this is, kind of from someone who listens to the podcast, they wanted to know, man, what, what is, as a leader, what are you thinking about for your people right now during this kind of a, a crazy time? Yes. I think uh, crazy time is definitely a good description of it. Um, boy, I mean, and, and we have, uh, yeah, just in our own lives, I mean, this would, would, this would have been the year that both our kids would be at kind of, um, you know, crash and play school and Laura would have more time. And now all of a sudden, both kids are at home getting homeschooled, you know, and, yeah. and we're trying to juggle everything. So it definitely is crazy. Um, look, I think uh, probably what I'm going to say is tied to a, a very deep conviction that I've developed over the years. Um, and that conviction is God is always at work. Mm. And again, it sounds very simple, but if you come at life, uh, through that lens, um, there's a number of other questions that come up, but um, but I think I, I do believe God is at work trying to get our attention. And uh, one of 
Satan's big tricks and tactics, and this is, is to blind us, uh, mm. to constantly veil us to the glory and the awesomeness and the epicness of God. And uh, he knows that if he can get us busy, distracted, veiled, uh, then we'll get focused on our own lives and we'll just kind of look at things as they are instead of through spiritual eyes. So I would probably say that this would be a time, and, and this should always be a time in our lives, but especially times like this where we have to step back and, and I guess reflect a little bit. Um, and to ask, uh, I guess, personally for ourselves before we zoom out, uh, what is God trying to expose in me? Mm. Is it uh, the level of busyness or the hurry that I've pursued in my life? Um, is it maybe a lack of discipline and diligence that I've exercised in my life that's now getting exposed? Is it my over-dependence on people uh, or my, my, my over-independence from people? Uh, because now all of a sudden, now it's kind of easy to hide as well or or do I get so affected because I just, I just, my faith and my life just depends on others, you know? So I don't know, there's a number of other things, uh, obviously, even for families with kids and stuff like that. I mean, you're parenting, all of a sudden you're with your wife a lot more. You're with your kids a lot more. Do, you, do they like you? <laughs> Are they excited to have you home? Um, you know, so, so I would just say to look at this and go, okay, I have to believe that God's trying to get my attention as he always is. And maybe um, I need to stop and figure out what that is before I take the next step. So that would be one. I think the other thing that can I'd I, probably say, yeah, sorry, oh, sorry. Sorry, before you go to the other thing, can I ask you, what do you feel like? Is there anything that stood out for you that where you're like, man, I think this is what God is trying to get my attention on right now. If you, yeah. don't, you, know, if you don't mind sharing. No, 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 absolutely. Um, look, I think, um, uh, yeah, I think the one, the one would certainly be um, sort of the kind of the work rest balance. Okay. And um, I think often um, I'm, I'm quite uh, driven and uh, I enjoy work and I'm quite ambitious. Um, so, and what comes as a negative to that is sometimes my joy and my peace um, largely depends on my perception of, um, of results. Sure. What I'd say, my perception of results, what I think it is. And I think, you know, during this time, it's sort of, uh, it's like the carpet's been pulled and it's like you, um, it's a re-reminder that you are not in control. Mm. Uh, that you know, any perceived control that I have over my life or even over others as a leader, you don't have, you know, so I think it's, it's brought that to light for me again, um, uh, which is exciting. Um, and, and I think it's caused me to really deepen my faith and trust that even if I can't be physically with people, uh, man, God is at work, you know, uh, you know, God is at work and just find my rest and my peace in that. Um, so I think, I think that's one. And then part of that work thing as well is, um, with the kids being at home, you know, you know, I've had to radically change my schedule and uh, the way that I do things. So I have less time to do the same amount of things and to do different things and to learn different skills to do things. So again, there's, there's a level of trust that has had to come in there that, you know what, I'm going to do my best mm -hmm. and, uh, and amen. 
I mean, that's, that's just kind of it. I'm just going to have to rest in that. Um, sure. and trust that God will multiply that however he sees fit. Um, yeah. So I think that's been, that's been part of kind of my, yeah, my, my wrestle. The other one, you, um, my technological savviness, um, has <laughs> been, uh, <laughs> has been slightly exposed, uh, and it's forced me uh, to learn uh, what's possible and what's out there and, and all of that. So I think that's also been fun for me is, uh, is to embrace technology sure. and to figure out how we can use that to genuinely minister to people and to stay connected even in the midst of not being able to be physically present. So that's, that's a lighter one, but it, uh, but it is one that I, I think God's trying to help me to learn. Sure. Amen. Yeah, yeah, that's it's cool. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. Sorry, you were gonna say a second thing that you're, you're thinking about for people. Uh, oh, yeah, thinking through. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say what's what's really gotten me in a bad emotional place is is, uh, is when they announced the initial lockdown. I was like, all right, eight weeks. Here we go. After eight weeks, we're back to normal. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're not back to normal. We're now on level five. We're now on levels. Okay, we're sure. level five. All right, cool, cool, cool. And level four, then level four, then level three. Now we're back on a stricter level three. And it's like, so I think, I think I've had to somehow plan a little bit, but I, I probably would say for those that I lead us to take it one day at a time mm-hmm. um, and do the best that you can with that day. Like, sure. don't... Um, don't wait for normal life to resume um, or mourn what life used to be like. I think it's, uh, this is all new to us. So, so man, look ahead at the week uh, that I've got. And today I'm going to be diligent with the time and the energy that God's given me. I'm going to be very clear um, on spending great time with him, connecting with people, doing my work in a disciplined, diligent matter, whether that's academics or, or being an employee for an organization. And, um, and amen. And let's, let's, let's wait uh, to see what type of life will resume next week uh, when the president comes <laughs> up and announces a level or a restriction or whatever. And just, amen, let's just roll with that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's so, super helpful. It's, uh, it's actually funny, something that we've been talking about on the podcast. It's come up multiple times, just this ability to, to give, give 100% now, you know, to not, to not kind of look, keep looking back or looking forward in the hopes of something that you can't tangibly make happen, you know? So, uh, yeah, that is, that is super, super helpful. Well, dude, as, as we close out here, man, is there anything that you feel like, you know, you, that we haven't covered that you feel like, man, listeners should, should think about this or should know this about how to thrive uh, in their life and in their faith. Any, anything from your side? Sure. Um, Hey man, I appreciate the, I guess the opportunity and just the space to kind of share some thoughts and it's helpful for me as well to, to think about these things. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I would just say, you know, sometimes we can overcomplicate um, life and uh, we can fill our life with so many things. I mean, there's just, there's so much happening outside of us and, um, you know, and, and the world out there, but, but I would just probably say just to, just to keep things very simple, you know, that we were, we were called into fellowship with Jesus. Um, you know, the call was come follow me. Uh, the call was come and learn from me, come cast your burdens onto me. I mean, 
And I think just um, if there's a, a certain sense of, I don't know, a complexity that people feel or discouragement that people feel or whatever, I think just to make it simple again, that this is just about um, uh, following Jesus. It's about seeing him, standing in awe of him, revering him, getting to know him better, casting your burdens onto him, uh, and then actually becoming like him, imitating him in your small interactions with other people uh, to take on his crazy mission, which is nothing less than to change the world. But that's, if you are a, a disciple of Jesus Christ, that's what you've been called to. Um, so I think just to, just to simplify things, you know, stay faithful to that call, which is come follow me, come learn from me, come be with me. Um, and everything else, if we do that, if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things will be given on to us and, uh, and, and yeah, and we could trust that. So, so that'd probably be my, my, my kind of last closing thoughts, you know, keep it simple. Amen. Keep it simple. I love that. Thanks. Thanks. Ja. Thank you so much for your time, man. I know you've got uh, two young ones that uh, need, need some daddy attention uh, by the looks of things. We, you know, there's so much more that we could have spoken through. And I think uh, we might have to, to give you another ring and say, Hey, can you get, come back on the podcast for another, another half an hour, 45 minutes odd. Uh, but yeah, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate the role that you've played in my life, uh, you know, for, for all these years. It's been, I think I've known you now since like 2013 when you moved yeah, up to yeah. Johannesburg for the first time. So seven, seven years. I mean, you stood next to me when I was getting married uh, and just being able to work alongside you in the, in the ministry full time mm -hmm. has been an absolute joy. Uh, but above and beyond all of that, dude, you're, you're a great, you're a great older brother to me. And so just thank mm -hmm. you so much for sharing all that you've shared with us here on the podcast, sharing honestly, sharing vulnerably and, uh, yeah, we look forward to potentially, preferably having you back on the podcast one day. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Reams. Appreciate you and respect your time, man. Thank you for the time. All right. Thanks. I hope you guys enjoyed that, man. That was such a cool conversation uh, with an incredible man. Um, and just... Just some huge takeaways, man. I think he, he really was vulnerable and honest with us. And hopefully uh, this has given you some ways and some things that you can do to be able to help you thrive in your life as well as in your faith. Um, three key takeaways for me. Um, and I think uh, I hope that um, you would hear this, whether you are uh, having a great experience and time with God right now or you're feeling a little bit estranged from him in your faith. Um, either way, I hope that you would hear this um, and be encouraged. Uh, but, but number one was this idea that he shared about God is faithful even when we are not. You know, I think that is such a powerful thought, um, even especially during this time of COVID-19, where it's very easy to kind of fall off track. And then he spoke about having the right perspective uh, and, you know, approach to the Bible. Uh, and I love that he shared there two things, man, just God loves you more than anything else. And he knows everything, you know, and when you combine those two things, it makes how we read the Bible and how we live it out uh, so much more powerful and then finally i love the ending there just just keep it simple um you know and i couldn't reiterate that more that as we're trying to figure out this thing that is life uh, during lockdown covid19 all this craziness man i just i can't help but think that is that's probably what we need to do you know just to keep it simple uh, wake up every day fight, focus on every day fight to be the best version of ourselves the best version uh, of ourselves in work, in play, in, in our spirituality, 
um, that we can be uh, and then rest and, and repeat, you know. And I, I know for me, that's what I've got to do. I, I can't complicate the play too much. I've just got to keep making sure that I keep it simple. Um, so, yeah, again, thank you so much to Jacques Canis. If you do want to get in touch with him, we're going to include uh, his email address in the show notes. Um, and then I also have an email address that I'll include for me personally. If you want to get in touch about any questions or thoughts or even ideas for a podcast, someone that you would want to hear me have a conversation with, I'm very happy to, to hear all of that uh, from you via email. So please feel free to hit me up and I'll put both of those in the show notes as well. Uh, but for now, this is it. Thoughts longer than three minutes. I hope this podcast really helps you to thrive in your life as well as in your faith. Thanks.